Welcome to Rush Hour with Rush and OGFX. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand spanking new podcast for the Open Dominion community. Yay! The people demanded Rush Hour <laughs> and whether they were joking or not, it's it's here now and we're all stuck with it. Yeah. My mm-hmm. name is Rush and I'm joined by the man with the voice, AGFX. How's it going, man? It's going fine. It's uh, super nice. Yeah, indeed. I, I also was wondering, how, how did this thing even happen? Because I know there was talk about Rush Hour, but why did it even happen? I don't know why. <laughs> I, think it, I, I think it happened the same way real talk happened, and that's people just started memeing it in the community, and then suddenly it came into being. Oh, God. And yeah. history is repeating itself once again, it seems. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Also, you think also, you you, yeah. you you would really think that one niche podcast is enough for like a niche web game from the Middle Ages, but hey ho. Yeah, but yeah. To that point, um, there are less bloppers because that's of course what we are than there are attackers, right? That's right. Yeah, uh, we're we're definitely in the minority. Which means, am I saying this correctly, that we are out niching the most niche podcast? I think we could be. We might have to change their tagline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are now the second most niche podcast on the internet. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I think um, as far as like, we've talked about this a little bit, right? But I think the intent is, uh, of course, that the whole commentary on how the game is going is something that those two know so much about and the nuances of the game and things are happening. It's, of course, that commentary is something we could never do as good as they would. So we're not even going to try. But I think for us is um, blob life would be interesting. Uh, you know, curiosities, things like that, interesting um, uh, things, and also you know, personal thing of mine, maybe to see if we can help out sort of with the more of a noob questions and more, so as you could say, the meta of things and uh, how to approach things. So that makes that makes uh, sense. Yeah, right? I think. Yeah, um, I think this podcast is going to be a bit of a, a something for everyone kind of podcast. Like yep. we'll have a bit. We'll we'll go through some of the rankings, both on the the Rio and the Rush rankings. Yep. We'll talk about who's done well, who's done who's done some pretty crazy stuff this round, and yeah, like you say, we can cover some of the noob stuff as well, and maybe help out some new players uh, and see how it goes from there. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, this is a test. Um, you know, we hope, of course, that a lot of people will enjoy this podcast, and if you really like it, and that'll give us the incentive to move on and. Uh, by all means, give us feedback on what you like and what you don't. Having said that, we did have a plan, right? We wanted to do stuff. We wanted to discuss some things. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit different to the way real talk works in that I'm looking at an agenda of things that we might want to talk about. Whereas <laughs> on, on real talk, it's very much just go with the flow. Yeah, but, but they know so much. They're awesome. They're the, they're the, I mean, they're titans. Come on. They don't need an agenda. Yeah. <laughs> And, and what were we by comparison? Just a, a clueless duo. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Right. So uh, the um, rear rankings. Let's let's just go by them uh, quickly. You had the rear rankings uh, available, and you, did you want to talk through them quickly? Yeah. So, um, like, I, I'm not the pro on real rankings. Like, I don't know how everything is calculated. Mm-hmm. I think we know that you know if you're the top scorer in a certain category, you get points. You know, you get a huge amount of points based on land and your finish, and whether you're in the top three, your realm. If you're the winning realm, they get points as well. So, obviously, um, off the back of two back-to-back wins, Rio is still 
the top dog in the Rio rankings, uh, closely followed by Worst Mayor, who won this round just past. And the third place podium has gone to Nate, uh, who I don't think has even played for a few rounds. So it just goes to show how overpowered that guy is that he's still on the podium after having not played for a while. Um, oh, yeah. But the top ten, the top ten is really interesting because it's uh, there's a couple of names on there that I don't really recognise. A few people I've never played with. Um, I'll just quickly list through them. You've got number four going to Faith. Yeah. Number five going to Cobber, who I don't think I've ever played with. Uh, number six going to Ruri. He's brilliant. Um, everybody was he was the spirit this round that everyone was accusing yeah. of being too safe. Hey, Which Ruri, is <laughs> and Ruri is Dutch, as far as I know. So, right, okay, uh, yeah. So he he's he's usually a pretty strong player in any round. Gothia, yeah. uh, another great player. He's in at number seven. Swamp Fox, who I have been hearing more and more about as the rounds go by, as an amazing player, takes the eighth place. And then ninth and tenth go to Robert and Zedijar, who is uh, one of the top explorers in the game. Yeah. And Robert, uh, both of them, as far as now, again, Dutch. So there's some, a lot of yeah. Dutch people in the top. That's nice. Yeah, you're well, you're getting well represented in there, the Dutchies. <laughs> nice. But uh, I can see, I can see of all of the top 10, Zedijar had the biggest rise. He's, he's come up about 10 places, it looks like. Yeah. Did he? Wow, so that's cool. Good, good work, Zeddy. Good work. Yeah. Actually, uh, some of, there's been some absolutely meteoric rises in the rankings this round. Some, Proper surging players from the likes of Craghack, who looks like he's jumped about 37 places this round into the 16th spot. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Mano Wrath, similar again, he jumped up about 38 spots. I don't know what he did this round, but he's, he's leapt up into 47th place. But I think the biggest rise that I saw in the rankings was from McGill. He was, uh, you'll remember him, AGFX, we packed with him in the draft round. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's the poor soul that gave up our locations to everyone in the game oh, yeah. by putting his ruler name <laughs> yeah. in, in his actual Dominion name. Yeah. Yeah. But Which, he, he's up 149 places wow. into 61st. Yeah. 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 Fun, f- fun fact, I did exactly the same thing in my first rounds because I didn't know that you were not supposed to, you were supposed to hide your name. So I just, you know, nicely put my ruler name in. Did indeed until somebody told me, eh, maybe you shouldn't do that. So yeah, it's usually it's usually okay if you're a new player because like nobody knows who you are. They're not going to have a grudge. But when it's like a draft round, for example, and people want to know where play, people are, yeah. you know, they're going to come for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I see mean, you're you're actually doing better in the rankings as well. Uh, yeah, you've, you've gone up twenty six places. Yeah, I think. Um, well, actually, I'm happy I'm in there at all because it, I think it took me about three rounds to to even be there. It was like, I'm not there. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you're only in there if you've played for a while. So I was like, oh, okay. So yep. I, I don't even care where I am. I'm just happy to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm alive. I'm in the Dominion rankings. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So uh, yeah. anything else that you noticed on the, uh, on the rankings that was interesting? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was looking at the the top packs this round as well, and obviously, um, it was Worst Mayor's pack that did the best because they they won, and it was closely followed by Rio's pack uh, in second place. Yeah. So you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of big names coming up repeatedly in this. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. Maybe we can uh, make them uh, give away all their secrets at some point in time, right? What's the secret sauce? I think the secret sauce is being willing to give up a lot of sleep and being quick with mental arithmetic, yeah. which I am not good with either. Even then, I'm pretty sure even if I would be giving a sleep, I would still not make it because so many times I have no, no clue what I'm doing. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's a huge learning curve for this game, though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy for some of us like me who played it when we were kids you yeah. know because i was able to jump in and just immediately remember a whole bunch of stuff that you know it takes several rounds for a lot of people to pick up uh, so i started at a quite a high baseline um and you know a new player coming into this like yourself would have had a hell of a time picking up all the mechanics yeah well a hell of a time in the sense of that's what makes it fun right to to it, i mean it's 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 not a game you figure out very quickly, and that makes it worth it. I mean, it's I think precisely why everybody, right? Because it is so complex. Sometimes even the best players make mistakes, or going like, "Why the hell is this happening?" Or uh, and so that makes it worth playing. Definitely. Yeah. So shall we shall we get on to the to the to the real rankings, right? The the most important. Yeah, ones. The, the the ones everybody's waiting to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, of course, we'll publish uh, the. Uh, on the publishing of the podcast, we'll also publish the um, uh, the Google, Google Sheet for it, so everybody can have a look. But yeah, Rush, uh, let's have a look at uh, look at it. And um, so, uh, do you want to present who has the number one spot on the round thirty five Rush rankings? Yes, uh, this will come to a surprise to absolutely nobody, no doubt. But the the number one spot goes to. Uh, a man of shadow and legend, possibly the most prolific black opera in the game, uh, the actual bogeyman himself, Cronel. Cronel, oh my god. I would I would really wonder how he does that. I'd really like to have a chat with that guy. Do you know where he is? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I've not seen him lately. He's, he's oh. been keeping a low profile. Oh, okay. Who's that guy standing behind you, by the way? Chaos has arrived. Oh my God! It's Cronel. He even what the hell? He even who, blacked who off his way. Coming? He even blacked off his way into our podcast. Amazing! How did you do that, man? <laughs> Welcome. I'm always in the shadow league. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Yeah. I think this is this this makes this is a rush hour exclusive actually because you've you've never guested on a, on one of the podcasts before, have you? Nope. This is the first for me. I think only Fetz heard my voice. Cool. Yeah. Well, and, well, it's an honor to have you. Yeah, it's very fun. So, Cornell, uh, again, congratulations. Uh, us, uh, I think uh, this is the second time, of course, uh, when the when Rush and myself, when we designed the the Rush rankings, um, it was um, you know you came up up on top. What was that moment actually when the first time like a true black opera uh, ranking came to life? I love seeing it because I knew I'd been doing well, but some of the Hydra made me think that maybe they were close to me too. But now having rankings to prove that I'm the best is always nice. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And the because uh, because of course the Hydra is a name. Uh, me as a newer player, I know. Um, who are the players who are part of the Hydra? Now that's an interesting question because uh, the Hydra is is not the same beast that it used to be. So originally, it was formed with uh, P-Brain, 
as the main Hydra head, or, or this is how I imagined it anyway. I don't know how their their actual group interacted, but Peabrain to me was always like their top attacker, uh, and then he was surrounded by this like four other Hydra heads that were all into Black Ops. So it was a really dangerous pack, um, one of those packs that could be a jackpot moment to land with if you're like a fast attacker pack. Uh, it was really like dynamite coming into your realm. Mm. So that was the original composition. Um, and I know Grapes of Math and Downright Dave were were two of the Black Op heads. Uh, they're still part of that pack now, but the composition overall has changed a lot. Um, so Grapes still does Black Ops. Downright Dave has actually transformed into quite a, uh, a promising fast attacker, actually. Uh, we we were playing this round uh, as a pack, and uh, he did really well. Um, and he's learned quite a lot quite quickly about how to fast attack. And he was also playing with uh, Slypimp, who's obviously a very good player as well. So uh, he's 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 almost become the main Hydra head in my opinion now. Um, and he's supported by a couple of Black Hoppers, but not to the same extent that P Brain would have been. Uh, and they've got some uh, some just regular attackers in the pack as well. So it's it's a lot more like a regular pack, in my opinion, in, yeah. uh, compared to what it used to be. Yeah. But the, the I can see from the rush rankings that the Hydra are still featuring more. Some of them are still featuring quite highly on there. Yeah, cool. And so, Cornell, what pack are you part of then? So pretty much for the past year, Sakura and I have been <clears throat> in a group together, rotating with Rush occasionally, Dandrid occasionally. And then last round, Murph and Fett asked us to group them, so I ended up going with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So yeah, so it's basically you, you, uh, you and Sakura are sort of as a core duo, and you switch up with other people. Yeah, I think we ended up together in the first draft last year, and we've just been in every round together since then, including the second draft. Yeah, cool. So um, uh, you also have the um, the stats in front of you, right, Cornell? You're seeing them. I do indeed. Yes. So, uh, actually, one of the things I was interested in about, so just your opinion on how, how the rankings work, and maybe we can let, then go into sort of each of the categories, because, of course, this is somewhat of a you say scientific wild-ass guess. Given the scores, it seemed to work well, uh, but, of course, it would be interesting to know your opinion. So the way the way the scores work, it's also explained in the, the older that we previously see uh, published thing, is that in total there is a potential of 100 points per round that you can earn in six categories. And the six categories are weighted because, and this is you know where that opinion sort of comes in, uh, a little bit is about because every category is sort of a grouping of several other categories that are basically rankings that you can find in Valhalla. Uh, but also the weight of importance. So the two biggest ones are uh, mastery, just in, in, in spy mastery and whiz mastery, uh, that, that can net you twenty five points. Then the biggest category of all of them is ops, because of course a black opper, one of the core things you do, and also to be useful to your pack and to your realm, is the information you provide. The fact that you can you know find uh, other people, find other um, you know figure out what's what and who's who, if somebody can be attacked or not. So that's thirty five points, uh, and then. Theft and Black Ops each give you can net you uh, ten points because you know they're important to do. They have some influence on the game. 
but not as much as the, the overall score of mastery and your ops. Um, assassination is relatively a bit smaller category because there are less rankings inside it. So it's somewhat the same as the other ones, but it simply has less categories. And this is very much, I must admit, a personal thing. Fireball, uh, <laughs> it by itself, it's just one category for 10 points. But lately, given the impact fireballs can have on uh, people's economy and how it can just destroy people, it might actually be correct. So I was wondering to give your take, uh, to get your take on what do you think of those categories and do they make sense to you? Yeah, they totally do. I actually had a little bit of a plan. I wanted to try to get my biggest finish ever land size. So I wasn't going just for one rank, but I wanted to stay on top of the rush rankings. So I tried to stay in the top 10 to 20 of any black op I could, theft or spells. That's so interesting to me because uh, in that sense, it's uh, because also one of the things I found in the, what the Rio rankings are, they really are geared towards winning a category, right? You only get points if you win a category or, or a ranking. Um, so it's, you could say in my brain, it's sort of, it's vertically oriented, right? It's only top spot gets points and otherwise nothing. So it's also very extreme in that sense. And that's what it, does well right it really represents you know are you a winner i thought that the rush rankings in the way they've been done they are much more for a generalist uh, focus so the fact that you are good at a lot of everything not and the the extent to which you are like relatively high performing in multiple categories that gives you a high rush ranking so it's very it's very i'm very happy actually to hear that that was a, a consideration in your uh, in your focus for rush rankings? Yeah, I figured chaos didn't need to be number one; it just needed to exist. <laughs> cool. Uh, so yeah, so um, uh, so that's my question yeah. on that. Just just for some clarity, would be: is there still any waiting for getting the top spot in those rankings in the rush rankings, or is it really just the best thing to do is what Chronal did and? try and get top 10 in everything you don't have to be number one but you have to be you know relatively high yes the way the rankings work is um there is um and i'll, I'll even have to look it up because what was the term again because i put it in the previous uh, sheet oh just like uh, drive.google.com there we go and i'll look up the earlier sheet which was the the round 34 sheet which was already published so everybody can look that one up Let's see, where did I have that thing? Let's go, rush rankings. Yeah, that's here. I've got the older one because that has the, um, otherwise I'll just copy paste it uh, in. So explanation. Yeah, there it is. <clears throat> so. Yeah, it's, it's a good job, AGFX, that your voice is so pleasant to listen to that people will enjoy <laughs> you just rambling on for about two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was, maybe I should be, be silent because the software will, will remove the silence anyway, but yeah. <laughs> Afraid of silence, indeed. So uh, the way I've, I've put it in here, every round has a theoretical maximum score of 100 because if you add all the big categories, that all adds up to 100. Um, the mastery scores are based on most masterful spies, most masterful wizards, basically both of those mastery scores. Ops is uh, every time you have a successful op, either a spy op or a wizard op. That's what the ops uh, category is. That gives you very... So essentially, you can spam ops and that'll net you uh, more scores. But I've, at least in my experience, to your realm, it's so useful that you that you keep the ops up to date. That, you know, 
in my mind that works. Of course, all thieves category, uh, platinum, food, lumber, mana, ore, and gems, all cluster together in the theft one. Um, Black Ops is plague, swarm, masters of air, which is cycloning, uh, lightning, uh, water, earth, and snare. Those are all go into the Black Ops category. Assassination is uh, most spies executed, top saboteurs, magical assassins, military assassins, wizards executed, top spiders banned. So basically anything that kills spies and wizards. Um, who is who is using spy disband in this day and age? That's sp- that spell really needs to be looked at. It's garbage. Uh, maybe I did this time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> then you were wasting your mana, my friend. I had such shit tons of mana. I had so much to spend. It was yeah. So just sometimes it just went for the hell of it. And of course, there's you know masters of fire, fireball by itself one category. Then there's a yeah, thing called the most fi- important category. Of course, it's the most important one, fireballs. Then taking if you add all that up, um, every rank is feature scaled, uh, and what it basically does, it takes the you you look at all the scores that are, that everybody scored for a certain uh, for a certain category, and then the highest person uh, scores a one, and the lowest person scores a zero, and everybody else scores whatever uh, by ratio in between. Uh, so so it actually does favor you if you're higher up in the rankings. It does yes so it, it does yeah. um what it also does is that there's an interesting effect here that if one person has a massively high score compared to the rest they will push everybody else down that's an interesting effect here so let's say one everybody else has 20 and you have 100 the effect is you'll basically get the the the, the all the points let's say if there's 10 maximum points to score you'll make yourself score one and everybody else only two points so, that's so in other words, the round where Toothy probably got the fireball record um, for all time, he would have scored extremely highly compared to everybody else. Interestingly, he he also thereby pushed everybody else down. That's the way feature scale yeah. works. So there's that's there's, the way it sh- that's the way it should work. Yeah. yeah, if you're the top dog, you shove everyone else down. Yeah, especially if it's like an extreme case. So that's it. Um, and then um, all those. So, but the each ranking gives you a feature scale. And then all of those uh, feature skills are averaged per group. So let's say you have platinum, food, lumber, mana, ore, and gems. Every one of you gives you a score between zero and one. All of that gets averaged, and that gets multiplied by the maximum score you can get. So that's how it works. And then everything is simply added up, and you get a total score. Well, that was a look behind the curtain there, guys. Yep. Uh, that's an incredibly complex-sounding system. Well done. Well, I, had, it's, I know it's I know it's called the rush rankings, but I, I did none of the work. I, I basically answered a few yes no questions on where waiting should be, and you did all of it, all of the rest of it. So hats off to you. Yeah, but I did need I I did need it. I mean, the, the, in the sense like yeah, I, I could program it, but it was like I had from a game perspective, I had zero clue if this actually made sense. So, right. so yeah, so that's. So I guess I guess coming back to Chronal, who is yeah. the. The top dog of round thirty-five, um, Colonel. What? What? Essentially, what I want to know is what is it you enjoy most about being this Lord of Chaos? Why do you like setting everybody on fire and sending bugs their way? What's going on there? What's the motivation? So this started way back in Classic Dominion. In the first round that they had uh, magic rankings, I was actually the top lightning person. So ever since then, I've been obsessed with just destroying people. Took the break whenever 
the game went down for a while. And then Fett messaged me, I think around 2022. I was like, hey, you want to come back and fireball people? That was me to my ears. And I came back and just been chaos ever since. I love when people complain. The more people complain, <laughs> Discord, the more I want to block you. Just future warning. Yeah, it just fuels the fire, quite literally. <laughs> the swarm round, the, the little message in the forums with the support group, it's going to be one of block people for the rest of my life, literally. Yeah, that, that swarm round ended up with me getting inundated with private messages of people asking me why I was swarming everybody. <laughs> but it wasn't me, it was the new guy on the block. Actually, Prono, it was your swarm round where you uh, upset half the player base um, that inspired me to, the. I think it was the following round I maybe did it, but to try and get the swarm record of all time. And I clocked up something like 10,000 hours in swarm. Yeah, unfortunately that record will never be beaten with the way they've been changed. But it was definitely the next round and I was super impressed. Yeah, it was a, that was a fun round for me. I had something like a 32 wizard per acre ratio which is insane don't ever do that by the way guys uh any, any new new players listening that's completely worthless anything what? over yep <laughs> anything over i think i was speaking to yami about it and he explained that uh, there's like a soft cap that kicks in something like after 10.0 wpa uh, so I, I basically had 32 WPA for no reason at all. The only thing it really did in my favour was reduce the losses quite a bit when I failed, and I still failed quite a lot. Because if anybody has semi-decent defences, that uh, your fail rate goes through the roof, even if you've got a massive ratio. One of the quirks of the game that you only find out uh, retroactively after you try it, something wild. Yeah. And so, Cornel, that round, everybody thought you were me. Sorry, Cornel, right? yeah. And that round, because I just won the previous round, I kept getting messages thinking that it was me swarming again. <laughs> yeah, we're both a pain in the ass to the community, I think is the, the takeaway. And I think uh, AGFX, as a relatively new black hopper, you'll get there very soon as well. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> but that's, a, that's also interesting to me, right? I mean, there's, there's uh, how you say it, I think black ops in the perception and maybe what is sort of, we're, we're bookending all the players in, on the one hand, creating chaos, but they are the other hand being sort of the ultimate team players, right? Because you can never win according to the rules of the game itself. Like the, the, the lands, I mean, the, the sacrifices you make to build up that black op power is something can, you can never really buy back in actually winning the game through uh, through the official rules of the, of the land. And so that makes you the ultimate yeah. team player. So that's for me, that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, you, you definitely hobble yourself to the point where you can't ever realistically get the number one spot but in my experience you can benefit your team well enough that the the person in the number one spot can project you way higher than you would usually finish otherwise because i've i've managed to finish third twice mm. uh, by providing black op support and that's that's where i get my enjoyment from the game i like the black op element and i like using it to uh, help my teammates um, and people people always complain about Black Ops. It's one of the biggest, thorniest issues in Open Dominion. But they hate you till they land with you, you know? And then it's the best day ever when they've got, like, a team of Black Oppers with them because it makes, it makes fast attackers' lives so much easier. It makes slow attackers' lives a little bit easier because, you know, other realms are less likely to war you. 
And I don't really, well, it depends what realm you land with, whether you're a converter, it can make your life hell because they will drag you into a war at some point when you're quite vulnerable and you might get fireballed to death. Yeah. So, Cornell, what is your, your view on playing as a black opera in a realm? How do, you, how do you see your role? Originally, I was completely about chaos. I've slowly started to be more about realm support, and it's actually surprising to most people when they find out how helpful black operas can be to the realm because they think we just want to destroy everybody. We actually want to help and destroy. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> yeah, and, and because uh, just looking at the rankings, I was pulling out the, actually today, I made sure that all the separate rankings also are sort of published, like each of the categories. Anybody can see for themselves how high you scored in each category. I also noticed that, yes, you have this whole name of chaos, but that even for this round, one of your highest scores was the ops part. So there is a high level of ops that you do, right? Oh, yeah. I still don't like the Shadow League overall, but I love being able to provide even more ops. So I was trying to get ops the whole round. Yeah. And this is one big question for me. Like, for me, there very often actually I need more experienced players still to sort of point me at another some 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 dominion and saying, oh yeah, that's an interesting one to look at. How do you even out of the you know this this round it was two hundred and thirty three um, uh, dominions? How do you even look at the whole search list and go like, oh, that might be an interesting one? So I have a list of people I prefer to blop. It changes, but some people stay at the top. I'm really good at finding out who people are because people talk a lot. And if I find who someone is, I will go for them sometimes over strategy. But also, I often look for your food supplies. I love to starve people. Yeah, I've, I know what you mean because I've made the, just the, the noob mistake of letting myself starve and it hurts like hell. Yeah. So, and, and how do you find, so the targets you find uh, apparently also more, you could say, through social engineering, I could almost say, not so much through the game itself. Yeah, I try to be strategic too. This round I did a lot more of trying to target people that the realm has to because we were in a position to win up until last week or so. But often I go for people who complain about blops in certain ways and are very <laughs> annoying people. <laughs> it's the slip sink ships uh, problem for those guys. If they're blabbing their locks and you learn of them and they're on your list, uh, their round gets a whole lot harder. Yeah. So it's, um, and how does uh, uh, looking, because, well, for instance, something like net worth is a very interesting statistic, right? Because it's it folds so many things in that you can sort of reverse engineer all kinds of data out of it. Is that also something you use? I don't pay attention to the numbers at all, really. I'm not a numbers person. So if someone in the realm's like, hey, this person's looking they're going to be a threat, go for them. I'll go for them. Other than that, a lot of it's based on how close one is to starving. Back in the original Dominion, you could actually die if you lost all your peasants. And I have memories of that. Even though you can't do that anymore, that's what I'm trying to emulate. Yeah, yeah. And so... so that yeah, sorry, go actually, ahead. That, that, that was actually achieved this round because our realm, Realm 9... Uh, I think it was Eric's we targeted um, and just bombed him down to zero peasants. Um, I mean, I knew that death wasn't corded into open dominion, so I knew that zero pe peasants wasn't going to kill him. But uh, the Hydra didn't know that. So it was like an experiment for them just to see if they could actually destroy a dominion. So they wasted an inordinate amount of uh, mana bringing him down from like 14 peasants to zero. Yeah. And then when he got to zero, they were like, oh, he's still here. <laughs> yeah. 
I think I think even Eric's enjoyed it because that's actually one of the if we're talking about the sort of you know rewards that we should give out. I mean, Eric's for his zero peasants. Um, yeah, definitely is that's worth a reward all of its own. So I'd say the uh, yeah. how, how do we call it? I I thought to call it the filthy peasant award. And the filthy peasant award goes to Eric. I think that's quite fitting. <laughs> So here you go, Eric. The congratulations with the Filthy Peasant Award. I thought it was an awesome one. Like whoever, who else, you know, gets to, to zero peasants in some fashion. And he made it with the help of the Hydra. So also, you know, congrats to the Hydra for making that. Because, it, yeah, it's, it's one of those fun moments, right? I think, Russia, you yep. and me, when we were talking, a lot of it is about, for us, the fun of the game is sort of in the storytelling element, sort of like the crazy stuff that happens. You can tell stories later. Oh, do you remember that happened? Um, for me, this is one of those moments. To me, the zero peasants thing was a highlight. So actually, who do we send the trophy to? Does it go to Eric or does it go to the Hydra? Good. Yeah, I think we should send it to all of them because um, if I hear correctly how Eric was about it, I, I think he enjoyed it just as much as the Hydra himself because I think he made a remark to the extent because he, wasn't he undead and he had the, that spell, you can kill your own people, your own peasants? Yeah. I think... Didn't he make a remark that he actually used it himself to kill his own peasants? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I think he did. I think he made a remark like that. That he also was like, "Oh, if I'm going down to zero peasants, I'm just going to use that spell to kill my filthy peasants as well to just you know push them right. down to see how far we can go." So I think it was so a, it was team, a effort. team effort. In it other words, yeah, team was, effort. <laughs> it true black of fashion. So in that yeah. sense, I say uh, so. Eric gets uh, an honorary uh, black op award for this. Yeah, definitely. People actually hate getting an honorary Black Op award. Um, so let's let's definitely put that in the post form. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Um, as far as the uh, well, before before, before yeah. we because we do want to give out some awards on this podcast, and there have been some pretty cool things happening in, in this round. But before we get to that, can we take a look at the lifetime Black Ops rankings that you've pulled through today? Yes. Uh, this is a new addition to the the rush ranking spreadsheet, uh, and it shows was it round twenty onwards? Yes, because uh, when we were discussing this, we saw that pretty until round sixteen. So that's also some of the beta rounds. Uh, there were still some uh, rankings there, but it turns out cycloning wasn't available until twenty. So the current rankings with every every sort of the same ranking. If you want to do the same calculation, you can only go back as far as round twenty. So that's why it's. This is the oldest we can get. So uh, the number one spot in the lifetime rankings is actually not Kronal. He has been just pipped to the post by his teammate Sakura, who holds the number one spot. Kronal uh, is, of course, number two. And then, surprisingly to me at least, uh, number three and four go to Virtue and Oment. And then I'm coming, I'm trailing it at number five. Uh, now, I think... I'm not sure about Virtue, because I've never played with him, uh, but I've certainly, and I've never played with Oment either, but I've heard a lot about his style and his strategy. I think most of his points are coming from Ops rather than Black Ops, because he is an information guy. He wants to know everything all the time. True. Yeah, I, I played with uh, Virtue this round. I was with uh, uh, Virtue and me, and we were uh, B and so on. We were in uh, Realm 3. And that's definitely the case. I think one of the things I really enjoyed in realm three is the very well disciplined and uh, very well organized way that we were collecting information all the time there was a continuous stream of 
top up or other thing. And there was there was also like a spreadsheet behind it that was continuously also being posted into the Discord channel with a with a webhook. Um, that was really interesting. And yeah, so the information stream, I I, I recognize what you're saying because it, in that sense, it was really well organized. Yeah, so that's our top five of the the rush rankings in the lifetime. Chrono, are you gonna are you gonna overtake Sakura at some point? What do you think? Does he just have a lead on you because you've got a few rounds missing, or what's going on there? He's got a pretty big lead. It's gonna be pretty difficult because he also does a really good job blackouting every round. He destroyed Fireball his last round. Yeah, you're you're both like neck and neck continuously in that sense. I'd say because if I look at the last rounds, I mean, you know, Sakura's just up way up there just with you. So. You continuously, well, actually, you're continuously scoring a bit higher than him. Like for the round 34, 35, you were better. 33, he had some points on you. So yeah, it's it's neck and neck. So if if Sakura wants to keep the lifetime title, he'll have to work hard for it. That's all it's going to take is me to decide to do a complete Black Ops round, build 10% guilds, and actually try to grow and just swarm Fireball, assassinate the whole round. <laughs> and... um as far as uh, because there's there is one way to go for this, at least I had it myself I think one time um, I think two rounds ago I went for the swarm title just that one and I was just swarming all the time so you, you basically you're, you're rank whoring basically right so you're, you're just swarming everybody you, you can um, but what I'm also interested to, to see is for each of those spells um, when would you even apply them like more in in the actual strategic manner because fireballing to me is pretty clear because you can bring somebody's population down and it kills their economy but lightning bolts who that imp- that kill your the improvements when is that even useful because I, I find it hard to to assess that uh the point of that in its current format is to lower somebody's walls defenses just temporarily so that an attacker might get a hit in where they they might have just been slightly edged out before and, but does it recover very quickly? Because I don't know it, that actually. Yeah, there's a recovery mechanic involved uh, that I, I, I don't. I actually gave up on lightning bolt quite a while ago. I don't really use it very often myself because I think ah, what's the point if it regenerates? And and for I'm not sure if it's still the case, but I think the points that become available from hitting uh, someone's castle uh, can be reallocated. So in some cases, you can actually help the person you're fireballing. Because then they can then just go, well, okay, well, I didn't wasn't using points in harbor as much as I wanted to, so I'll reallocate them to forges or something like that and make a make a hit that I couldn't do earlier. So I don't really like where fireball is, um, but the the point of it at the moment seems to be just to wear down the walls a little bit so that somebody can make a hit. Yeah, and you, Cornell, what do, what do you do with lightning bolts? I literally don't cast it until the realm asks for a volley because I don't like points being reallocated. I get why. There's a little bit of them there, but I want the walls to be destroyed and gone completely and not come back. And I don't like things that come back. Peasants can be burnt down, but the walls, nah. Yeah. I believe I, so I heard a remark somewhere that uh, when that the points that you burn down, they are there f- burned down forever, I believe. Yeah. We'll have to look that up then. Yeah. We might, we might not have the most accurate up-to-date yeah. data, but it's because lightning bolt sucks. We don't really use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's. So for me, I thought that looking at lightning bolts for me, and maybe this is you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I had a feeling that if somebody has high imp, high imps improvements, 
has also high masonries because a masonry will push the effect of your improvements way up. But also inversely, if you hit them with a lightning bolt, the reversal will also happen. So the way I looked at it is if I see somebody with a lot of improvements and a lot of masonries, my lightning boots, bolts would hit the hardest. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it definitely does boost it up. So, But I, isn't, don't masonries protect um, against damage? Not that I know. Let me just double. Let me just double check that. So great that in the Black Op podcast we don't even know our shit. No, they don't. We're learning. Yeah, we're learning on. The, we're learning on the job. That's amazing. Cornell, do you, well, do you know anything about this? See, so just before he answers that, yeah. just one of the things about Black Ops uh, more than anything else in the game is they are so subject to change and tweaks that it can be difficult to keep up. Uh, a lot of the time we haven't seen too many in, in recent rounds but certainly for like 10 15 rounds straight when i was playing it was just like it was almost a different ball game every time you played it yeah which could be a tip in general maybe that's one of the things we could be doing uh, in future that we review the changes and basically communicate them to everybody so everybody what what actually is and what, what what's now powerful not sort of the, the black op meta to keep an eye on that yeah we could send out a newsletter <laughs> Yeah, or a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Cornell, what is your what is your view on lightning bolts as far as its effectiveness? Do you have any other strategies like the way I uh, presented them? Not really. Pretty much the only time I've seen it useful was when we were about to make a hit last round. We tried to get their walls down. Other than that, I think lightning bolts pretty ineffective right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of black ops have issues because people want them to be protected from them <clears throat> for savings. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're also, I mean, I think that's going to be, has to be the meme for for every single podcast. Fuck for and Tavis, guys. Yeah, so I'm going to get on my soapbox because why not? Uh, <laughs> for anyone new that might be listening, all you need to know about Forest Havens is that they are the most overpowered and unbalanced bullshit cheat code easy mode building in the entire game, especially if you're a top attacker because I've... I've seen guys accidentally build forest havens instead of lumber yards and end up with total black op immunity from like a simple misclick. That is how op they are. They give you insane protection against fireballs for very minimal investment and they produce lumber. And on top of that, they reduce damage from other black ops like wizard assassination and disband spies for some reason, as if the disband spies wasn't already terrible. There's a building here that makes it even worse. And actually, this round, we saw a really dangerous Wood Elf played by Mithrandir running 8% Forest Havens, which is an 80% damage reduction on fireballs. Wow. So you could potentially have, I don't know, three, five rounds gang up on him, fireball him to hell, and I doubt he'd have even broken a sweat. So that building continues to be insane. I raise it every round, and it gets ignored every round. Yeah, well, because... Because everybody else is an attacker, right? So they secretly... Right, yeah, the game is 80% attacker. So we'll just, we're just going to leave that cheat code in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, you know, if Fireball if fireball gets a little bit too hot for them, they'll be like, no, we need to nerf yeah. every Black Op. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm getting a bit salty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it does make sense. Right? I mean, I've, I've played also in a lot of other games. I've played support. And one of the things I've, I've learned through that is that actually a support class is one of the hardest to balance because there is a very fine line between being powerless and completely overpowered. Um, like yeah. I've, I've played quite a lot of League of Legends and that was a continuous discussion. Like, you know, the moment anything went wrong, a support class would be just, just, you know, just ruling like hell. 
uh, and just with a little tweak and they would become powerless. So I think it is a fundamentally hard puzzle to fix, I think. And that that I do appreciate. I think this round is promising like no changes for black ops. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I say, yeah, usually it's it's, oh, it's you know, it's just crazy how many changes they've had, but they have they have stabilized a little bit and I think they're mostly in a good place. There's a few that are definitely underpowered. Um, but I think the community likes that to be the case. Of course, with realm size getting smaller next round, we're going to see uh, some black ops get even weaker. And, you know, Fireball is going to be one of them, especially if people of, of Forest Havens, that'll get weaker. So it's an indirect buff to a building that didn't need it. But we're also going to see Snare get addressed finally with the realm size change. And that is definitely a good thing because Snare has been broken for several rounds in a row now uh, to the point where you can be reasonably well defended like the case for Loki Ramza in my realm this round he had, he had something like a 0.8 or a 0.9 spy ratio when realm 4 came for him uh, and they just brute forced their way through it uh, so all of his investment there was, was a waste of time because they just had numbers uh, to, to beat him and the thing about snare is it's one of those accessible ops everybody in the realm can get in on it because everybody's got spies yeah uh, it's not like you need a resource like mana to to actually use it and the round before we saw uh worst mayor and his army of snails uh very slowly come after mithrandir uh who didn't have any spies whatsoever despite being asked to build them countless times um, so in a way, he sort of deserved what happened to him, but he also reacted lightning quick to their snare, which was admittedly quite slow, and recast Ares to 12 hours. Uh, and then, then they just kept it up. They kept it up and kept it up for the entire duration of that spell. And again, just brute forced him yeah. into an Ares drop, which I find I find both situations slightly unacceptable. Loki's was way worse, yeah. but Mithrandir wasn't wasn't in a good position there either yeah. and it was uh it was slightly ironic i thought that this round that mithrandir the guy who was abused by snare became the snare abuser because well, he was the one that hit loki i guess that's the best way to learn from your mistakes right that's uh, that's the way it goes he <laughs> <laughs> was like this mechanic's broken i'm gonna use it in my favor yeah and Cordell, it was pure number yeah. sorry go ahead we, sorry we just through spies at him, we knew he had high ratio, and we abused the amount of us in the realm, and we almost didn't get it then. Yeah, yeah, it still it came pretty close. Uh, I know that, yeah. but uh, it should it, at a ratio of close to one SPA, uh, you shouldn't be able to strip Ares off somebody. I don't think anyway. Yeah. Not not at the duration it was at. It was like six hours or something like that. Yeah. I just had a thought, by the way. What if? the power varies by realm size because the whole fact that people say, well, with large realm sizes, this happens, and with small realm sizes, that happens. What if the power actually varies by realm size? So a small, if you're in a small realm, you relatively get more power, and if you're in a large realm, you relatively get less power, sort of in a sort of a balancing thing, so that when you pile on with a large realm, you're roughly in the same area as piling on with a small realm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it's a bit no, more nuanced than just let's reduce the number of people in the realm, um, yeah. and it might it might mean that you could still keep big realms uh, without having to. It's, it's a lot more complicated to code stuff like that, of course. So I, I, I'm reluctant to say it's 
it's it's better than just reducing the realm size. Yeah. Well, but I know yeah. I, I know with reducing the realm size you reduce the effectiveness of all the other black ops, which is in my opinion not a good idea because I feel like black ops generally are in a good place, so we're gonna see them weaker next round. Yeah. Well we'll see. So given the that we've going for a while, I think we had some other uh, rankings to discuss, right? Some oddities. Yeah, you, you, let's give out some awards, shall we, to the the dedicated listeners who are still tuned in. <laughs> indeed. So, Cornell, the, the you have the same spreadsheet, right? I do indeed. So, you want to, you know, call out one of them that you think is interesting, or if you don't get what I, was, what I put there, because <laughs> I said it all together. I right? guess we don't have uh, we don't have award names, do we? We've just got no. um, just make them up, make them up on the spot. It's yours. Steam it's yours award. Sorry, go ahead. First round, Steemo gets an award for being that high on the rankings of oddities. Who gets it? Steemo's. Simo. Simo, he was in our realm. Oh he yeah. Wouldn't listen. Yeah, he gets the uh he he if in our sheet he, he had the most hits against him, separate hits, like forty two hits against him. That is insane. Yeah. That's even more than Eric's was hit. Well the interesting thing is is that uh because also in the same sheet you can see because I was I was wondering about it, uh how much does it make up for average per hit? Because he got 2,539 land taken away from him in 42 hits. What I thought is interesting is that relatively, so the average land stolen from him per hit was only 60 land. It's That's not the highest. So that was interesting as well. I don't know how that works, how the mechanics or how the math works there. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, there was a whole uh, meme of Team Simo and Team Zuge this yeah. round. Uh, how does Zuge compare to to Simo in these statistics? So uh, Zuge, um, let me see, let me look him up. In the uh, actually, Pound Me Amadala had the biggest single hit. It was only hit once, but it was the biggest hit uh, of the round. It was four hundred and ten land. If I but I think that's the most land lost. However, I think, I think I saw in the time cry because yeah, maybe there are some. Wasn't there a hit that was four hundred and thirty-five? But yeah. If my programming is correct, then that should be uh, that should be it. Yeah, where is Zuj? Where is Zuj? Oh, uh, where is Zuj? Oh, there he is uh, on row sixty-one. He got seventeen hits against him for eight hundred and six land stolen, with for an average of forty-seven land stolen per uh, per round. So that's the infamous Zuj. Zuj comes out on top. Yeah, Zuj uh, wins that. And if we team so- Zuj for the win. <laughs> So, uh, what would we what would it would we call the most hits against you award? What would that be? Uh, room for improvement award. <laughs> DP is for sissies award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck defense. <laughs> yeah, fuck defense. The fuck defense award. Maybe that's that. That could be. A, so, Simo wins the fuck defense award. Indeed. Uh, and of course, Eric's with uh, this is what happens. CPC. Um, had the low, low, the highest total land stolen from him with four thousand eighty six, um, only nineteen hits there, so it was uh, an average, but with a relatively you know, a sort of a medium hit uh, size of two hundred and fifty per hit on average. But he got stolen. So he's the biggest he would, feeder. Yes, biggest feeder award. Yeah. Yes, and but also, um, <laughs> uh, I do think, given the amount of uh, saltiness that uh, Murph sent his way. 
Uh, I find him an absolute hero <laughs> for sticking around. We're basically, yeah. you know, giving, uh, so both getting all that shit taken and then still being there to to make uh, make Murph salty. I think that's a, an award all of its own. Yep. So I when, would when somebody calls you when somebody calls you a little bitch on a podcast, you know you've got an <laughs> under their skin. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so um, this would be the uh, salty Murph award. Yeah, I think for this round, that's going to be the salty Murph. The salty Murph, award. and you know, the, yeah, I love the serendipity of that those two words together because, of course, a Murfolk would live in the ocean and be very salty indeed. <laughs> indeed, that's very nice. So, um, yeah. Oh, and Eric's also gets the Filthy Peasants Award. So he gets two awards this round. Congratulations. That's you get cleaning up. Yeah, so Eric's, you get the awards award with this. Yep. So, um, the, so I also collected the bounces, the bounce statistics. So the one who suffered the most bounces, so who, who, uh, who, who did a bad job of it, uh, both Dublin, Dublin and Zuge had three bounces. Yeah. Uh, with the difference that Zuj also caused the uh, the most bounces, which is three as well. So Zuj basically evens out on zero because he bounced three times, but he also caused three bounces, which is interesting. It's a made of rubber reward. Yeah, <laughs> that's the rubber reward indeed. And so, um, uh, and so, if you if you're looking at sort of uh, adding and subtracting uh, the bounces, then Opai Warrior. And Blair Atoll Distillery. If you subtract the, the times you bounced from the times you uh, you caused the bounce, then they they're up two. So in that sense, they they came up on top the best because Grim Reaper also had caused three bounces, but he also bounced himself two times. Is that a thing that people who cause bounces also bounce themselves, or the other way around? Um, <clears throat> probably. Because I think the the players that bounce the most tend to be operating on the the lower tiers of the attacking spectrum. So the people who are also hitting them are, you know, in the same sort of league. They're not the most experienced players. So, mm. yeah, you you would probably see that more common down down the the list. Yeah, and the uh, Cornell would be interesting. Uh, do you have any knowledge or tips or anything on how to cause a bounce? Because I have no idea. A lot of people release a lot of spies and wizards right before the attack wall dumps can be effective but the spy wizard release is the best i've seen how, how does that work then usually it works better if you have a lot of them like several thousand and try to time it right before they send knowing people attackers like to be efficient they'll send as little over as possible and even though a thousand defense extra is enough to bounce them usually oh wait a minute because the spies and wizards become draftees and therefore they add to your defense is that right Yep. Right. Ah. So okay. it it usually only works if you're like a borderline hit case. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of attackers, especially in the top tier, will send the max amount that they can because they don't get increased losses or anything like that from over sending. So as long as they know they're safe to send their max amount, they will send their max amount. So for these borderline cases where they can only break you by, you know, five hundred DP or or one K or maybe two K. Uh, your spies and wizards release can actually prevent the hit. Okay. Um, and, and it's it's obviously devastating to a top attacker to bounce because they experience losses and they don't get their hit, they don't get their land coming in, and their troops are out for 12 hours, so it really, really slows them down and hurts them. So where you can 
instigate about. I've only ever managed it once in my whole OD career, but you kind of get a feel for when they're going to try and hit you, and you release just before they do it, and they don't. They don't have the opportunity to check your defense again, and they send and they bounce, and then it's really annoying for them, and you get to laugh and go back to sleep. <laughs> And of course the the shame because I think uh, if you see the amount of gif meme gifts that come by because of a bounce that must be the highest amount. Yeah, it can definitely uh, ruin an attacker's day for yeah. sure, and uh, some of them will beat themselves up quite hard about it. Yeah. Um, but usually, usually they'll only beat themselves up if it was something they did wrong. But if you if you bounce them, then they they usually get over it pretty quickly because you know that was almost out of their control. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so as far as the rubber award goes to Zuj, because he was involved in the most bounces, and either as a receiver or a giver of it, so he was six, so three and three. Um, Simo came up with, he had, uh, as, if, if we're looking about the, the, the Zuj versus Simo, here Simo, uh, Zuj comes up on top as well, because in that sense, Simo uh, comes up at the minus one, because he caused one bounce, but he bounced himself twice, so he, he's at a minus one. So that's, um, but he does take number three spots as far as being involved in bounces because he was in the end involved in three bounces and so of some sort. So that puts him into number three spot. So yeah, well done, Simo. Part of the uh, the, the bounce trophies. Um, but in that sense, like the the the, wor- the person who did it worst was Dublin. I don't know who Dublin was in which realm he was. It's, I didn't put that on the sheet. But um, yeah, no, it's. I mean, we say the worst, but I mean, they they tend to be new players. So yeah, they're gonna be players, quite so. forgiven of them. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I would, I would call that then the the brave learner award. Many people stay safe while they're learning, and Dublin actually went out and tried out, and uh, he was he he did, he was the bravest of them all. So wars. All right. Yeah, so is this is this the last award category? Yes. It's the, Warmonger. Okay. Yeah, that's the last stuff I, I collected. So as you can see in the sheet, um, so the top one is uh, how many realms, because this is about realms, how many uh, did the most declarations and the least declarations? Uh, I think that's, this one is going to come as, as no surprise to anybody who's winning this category. Then. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, so, of course, Realm number four did the most declarations by far with nine. So what do we call that award? Um, more oh. balls than brains. <laughs> yeah, or something like uh, the Murph Award, because like, you know, we know wars are Mur- Murph is war. So basically that's... Uh, I think Murph's already got an award named after him. Let's not feed his ego too much more. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's that's too fun. Because the more his ego gets, I mean, it also conversely will have the more more fun with saltiness, right? If he if Eric gets him again, so maybe yeah. we should, maybe we should. We're black operas after all, right? We sh- should we f- be feeding the beast a bit? Sure. It would have been more uh, wars. Probably for that. We tried to have at least two or three more wars than we had. And uh, which realm were you again, Cronel? I was in four. <laughs> four. The most as well. Oh, of course, yeah. The so it could even have been eleven. Cool. Uh, what was, I mean, you were in Realm 4. Was it just Murph with his hand on the steering wheel saying, we're warring this guy, we're warring that guy? Or was it a group decision? Or were any of them surprises? How did it work? So I sure I will say that it was just Murph declaring, no, we, we were actually strategic with all of our declares. Someone would point out, that guy's a threat. We need to take him down. We usually get 24 hours. Sometimes it was 12. 
And then we'd go for that person, usually two people, and try to take them out. We were reacting to everybody trying to get ahead so nobody would run away because, oh, I hate runaways. <laughs> yeah, which actually, I mean, we're making fun of Murph in this case, but this has also been my, when I was in the same realm with, this was also my experience, yeah. So there's a lot of fun and sort of a lot of warlike talk, but there is quite some thought behind yeah, in that sense, I mean, yeah, uh, you can say it, uh, there's a lot of experienced players, uh, the timing for a war. So uh, that was also been interesting uh, to, for me as a new player to learn. When do you go to war? When don't you? So, um, and the least, realms eight, five, and two, each declared once. And it could be that even the last declare was just the, the final uh, congratulations were uh, one, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably it, isn't it? Well, They're probably only... Well, actually, the final realm name. The, fi the final realm name doesn't uh, doesn't. Uh, they did their the realm name doesn't have uh, something like uh, well played or something. So maybe they only had one. Yeah. So I can see from looking at the town crier that five, three, and six ward on the final day. Yeah. So were they any of the ones that you just mentioned? Yeah. So f so five only ward um, on the final day. So basically on during the, the game day. itself, five had uh, had zero. So so they get the. What, what do you get if what kind of award do you get if you don't declare during the whole round? France award. I think you, <laughs> sorry, I think the, you get the cowardly custard award. And Cornell, sorry, what did you say? They get the France the French award. The French award for not declaring. Very good. More for surrendering, really, isn't it? They just they didn't have the heart. <laughs> and so if we look at the how who, who was declared on so, uh, of course, for, for our listeners, probably won't be any surprise that realm number one has a number spot there, by, like by seriously far. The second place uh, for both realms six and four, they were declared on four times, but realm number one was declared on 13 times. Uh, that's a lot more than I thought, actually. Yeah. So, uh, but that makes sense, right? I mean, it, it, I think especially during the, the end of the round, everybody started seeing Realm 1 as a threat, so they were... Or were these also sort of counter wars? It looks like five or six of them are just last day name declaration wars on one. Yeah, so three of them definitely mm. uh, were just... Uh, so, yeah, three of them at the end would have just been uh, last day wars. We, we warred them in... Dave had quite a clever idea uh, to war them just in the period before the the op bonus would kick in at the end of the round so that we could do some damage to them and they couldn't really do anything back to us. <laughs> so we were we were quite cheeky there um, and, and just took advantage of the, the war timer not kicking in until the round ended. Oh, that was that was in that. That's a, that's a, that's a smart, smart move. So that goes. So you guys get the timing award for that one. Well, it goes to Dave, I think. I think he was the guy that came up with it. Cool. Interesting. Uh, and Realm 7 uh, only got declared on once. What what happened there? We just Realm them. 7. That was the... Uh, wasn't that the uh, Britney Spears realm? Oh, yeah. It was our first war. Yeah. So you declared on them once and then nobody else did. And pretty much after that, we took them out of competition so they were... Not a super threat the rest of the round. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of Britney memes in the chat. Yeah. So sort of the the the, oh. Brit, the Britney abides award. 
I, I, so I watched a podcast earlier today. Well, it was one of these video podcasts where they were uh, going through what all the generations, like the boomers through to millennials and zoomers, what they find attractive. Somebody linked it to me. I uh, can't remember what it was about, but it goes down the list. Like boomers, they were like getting all hot and bothered by Marilyn Monroe and the whole, you know, steam coming up the vent thing. Yeah. Like that's what gets their motors running. And then when you go down to, what is it? Is it Gen X that's below boomers? I think it is. Uh, and it's like Cindy Crawford getting out of a Ferrari and going to a vending machine and drinking a Pepsi. Like that's what that's like the pinnacle of what they find attractive. And then for millennials, which is my generation, it's uh, Britney Spears hit me baby one more time. Uh, that video is is what we find most appealing and most attractive. And then when you get to Zoomers, um, it's like it's really bizarre of what what they are supposed to find attractive. And that's it's like it's a video on TikTok was the example of like this blonde-haired elf girl who was basically just acting like an NPC on TikTok Live, and people would give her money, and that money translates into like these weird little gifts. So like a donut would pop up on her screen, and she'd go, "Mmm, donut, yum yum yum," and then eat it, and then another donut would pop up, and she would say, "Mmm, donut." Yum yum yum, over and over and over again, for these all this all these different kind of food types, uh, and it was just so bizarre to watch. And apparently, that's what is that's what's that's what Zoomers are attracted to—just weird sort of yeah. random interactions with people on TikTok. Okay, so the conclusion of this awesome story, by the way, I'm taking is that the the biggest population if you're looking at the age category of open dominion are apparently millennials because they never wanted to hit realm seven because of their love for britney spears that's what we're saying right yeah yeah and it also explains why why britney ended up the theme for that realm i guess yeah. they're still trying to they're still trying to relive their past yes. like we all are through dominion you know it's yeah. it's all about nostalgia so you've heard it here first right, people uh We've scientifically proven that millennials are the highest, the highest occurring age category in this game. <laughs> yep, everybody's in like their mid to late thirties or forties. Yeah. But we are we are bringing in new blood. It seems there are some folk in their twenties finally yeah. joining the crew. Yeah, don't count me. I'm I'm Gen X, so I'm old. So you're you're Cindy Crawford then? Yeah, that's uh, your pinnacle of attractiveness. Yeah, although not Cindy Crawford herself, I'd have to look it up. Maybe I'm a weird Gen Xer, but uh, yeah. Uh, that definitely do you, do you remember the advert I'm talking about? I think it was an American ad, so I don't think I've seen it in the Netherlands. Yeah, uh, it definitely would have been an American ad. Yeah. So who who is the pinnacle for you as a Gen Xer then? Gen X. Oh, that's difficult. Oh, who would it be? Man, that's. There must time. be like an iconic moment from from the Dutch history. Yeah. I, it, let me think about that for a while because I don't know. Are, are you guys are you guys influenced by American culture at all, or like, are you very more insulated? Is it more European? Or no, no, what, no. What's definitely, going on? definitely American cinema has always been. Um, that's that's right. definitely the case. But it's, you know, it's you know the most watched movies in the Netherlands are also movies, right? But I think as you know, in general, in Europe, I mean, every you know, all the geeks they 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 know their Marvel. They know, we all. All the movies that you see in the Netherlands are also mostly stuff that comes out of Hollywood. So yeah, I mean, in that sense, we're, I think, pretty much. But the the really like, for instance, if you like like advertising, that's of course typical Dutch, right? So that's not. Uh, 
Um, and I think also, if I speak for the Netherlands at least, humor is used more than 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 like attractiveness. So with Cindy right. Crawford, like like one of the famous things is actually there is this old lady who does this very typical street talk while she's just an old grandmother and she does this really you see her just coming up and quietly making some coffee with her old friend and you know with a very old house and then she starts talking the street talk and it's really weird it's actually very funny the way she's talking about it but then it turns out to be an ad for the coffee that she's drinking it's sort of a bit bonkers that's the yeah. type of thing you can see in the dutch advertising all right, but you're not you're not claiming the old lady to be the pinnacle of attractiveness for, for Dutch people. <laughs> Maybe I am. There must have been a reason I thought of her first. <laughs> <laughs> Learning new things about you today, GFX. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So, uh, and Cronel, what's what's your favorite ad in that sense? Ad lover, or actually, pretty much hate commercials. That'd be a hard choice. And I watch so many that they all blend together. Mm. Yeah. I think it's in the states that would be a healthy way because I think ads uh, the 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 way they push them on you I, th I think it's a lot stronger. When I was in the states, there was like ads all the time, every twenty minutes or so, or more often. Yeah. So. Where I live at, I'm not like people in this area, so the ads are for as more country people. Yeah, well, I I spent some time in America. I was there for like six months, um, and the thing that annoyed me most about American television, especially American reality television, is they would start the show. You'd, you'd watch some adverts, the show would start, the show would be on for like two minutes, and then you get an advert break, and then the show would come back, and then you'd get a recap of the two minutes that you, you just watched. <laughs> like you had a memory of a goldfish or something, you know, you can't remember two minutes ago. And then it would go on for five minutes, and then you'd get another commercial break, and it would come back and recap what you just, it was just constantly recapping. And then going to commercial to the point where you were like, if you watched a 30 minute show, maybe only like 10 minutes was actual content and the rest was adverts and recaps. Yeah, but it's also a great way to make sure that you can do other things during watching television uh, and that you're pretty sure you're not, not missing anything. So it allows you to be at the barbecue or anywhere else. So yeah, maybe that's the reason. I don't know. Cornell, you're, you're from America, right? So you would know. They're pretty accurate in assuming most Americans have a terrible attention span and pretty low IQ. So unfortunately, that is a good way for them to do it. <laughs> the worst and the best of the world, right? So yeah. Um, by the way, uh, we still had from from a war perspective, we still had sort of two categories that I uh, put together. So I added all up all the uh, all the sort of the the war, either if you declared war or had the war declared on you. Uh, so for realm one. They're at the top there. They they then show up 19 times. So they they get the War Monger Award and two, five, and eight. They get the Sneaky Git Award because they were only involved in three declarations. Does that make sense for how you experience the game, the both of you? Or Coronel, how did you experience that the, the war? Does it make sense? You actually only had like one war declared on us. I thought people were gonna, well, I think they were afraid of her blob's firepower. Probably gonna have more wars going on the rest of the round. Yeah, indeed. we warred you, <laughs> and then you went mutual with us. Oh, you can always rely on mutual. Yeah, well, yeah, we, I know, but we we both both our realms learned something about mutual war in that one uh, because we warred you, thinking that because you'd just warred us and you you'd broken it off, that you then had a cooldown timer and couldn't mutual us, 
Uh, and you guys obviously thought that as well, well, because Murph went to declare war to see how long it was going to take before he could declare war, like what the error message said. And then suddenly we were at mutual war, because it turns out if somebody declares war on you, even if you've just been at war, it resets that timer. Uh, so we ended up at mutual, which was not, you know, I wasn't super over the moon about that because uh, your wood elf was quite terrifying and I then had to deal with a 10% op bonus on top of that. And so did Zedajar, the poor guy. He was. He said, let's go to war as long as they can't mutual because I think I can just about survive that. And then it ended up at mutual and he had to, he had to really slow his growth in order to build DP. Which, if I look at Zedajar's, uh, uh, how much hits he took he's not very high up there right so in that sense he. i don't think he got hit yeah yeah there was a uh there was quite a few high flyers in our realm um but as as the game nope. progressed they started eating hits to the point where it pushed them all down uh so zedijar by by virtue of just being well defended and, and clever about his ratios uh rode through the storm or rode the lightning that was his that was his name this round uh and so did i quite far behind him but still second place in the realm um just slow and steady sometimes you know you've got to you've got to pace yourself uh and just hope that you're not the the meat shield that gets hit so and um and as far as the the final like as, as far as wars and of course there's also you know a bit of figuring out like what's what's interesting uh what what I basically took some stats out and figured, you know, are they interesting or not? So also the difference between the amount of times you declared versus the, the amount of times you were declared on. So more, you know, you had, you showed more aggression that was uh, pointed at you and the other way around. So both are interesting. So four and seven both had sort of on a plus five. So they did five times more declarations than were uh, pointed at them. And of course, one again is at a minus seven. So they had seven times more declarations pointed at them than they pointed somebody else. So that was also, I thought, you know, maybe interesting in terms of flow, sort of like a, a sense of how warlike are you uh, combined with are people scared to war on you? Does that make sense? Does it, does it show in the numbers? Uh, just a question on that. Um, so did you say seven was one of the most aggressive realms well, in terms of declaring wars? versus how many times was declared on them so they they declared themselves they they did six declarations and were only declared on once all right so yeah because just looking at the looking at the people in that realm that i always uh, it looks like yami's pack is in there and i always mm -hmm. took yami for a, a relatively war averse chap so they must have ended up with some uh or maybe they've changed their tune and, and decided to become aggressors uh, so that's an interesting shift from what i would have expected yeah, because I remember myself that um, there's definitely some wars look look more scary than others. So you you you're sort of some some realms you you know you don't worry about too much, and others you got like you think twice, like oh my god, if we're going to war to, war to them, they'll kill us, um, or we have to hit them with a war because otherwise they'll run away, right? I think that's what happened to one a lot. Yeah. 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 Cool. So that's. Um, those are some uh, some statistics, statistics we pulled out. Uh, actually, um, there was one set of statistics that, that are sort of deep down low on this uh, sheet as well. Uh, it just happens just because of the way I generated everything. You can also see how many times the actual attacks were on each of the wonders. 
And so yeah. people might like to know that the factory of legends, as far as attacks is concerned, of course we don't see cyclones, but as far as attacks, was hit 27 times. Uh, the Spire of Illusion and the Factory of uh, Legends were each hit 38 times. And the oh, you said Factory of Legends twice there. What was the first wonder that was uh, hit 27 times? Uh, oh, that's the, the Factory of Legends? And then it says Factory yeah. of Legends. Hey, interesting. So right. it was... Does it have two names? Because basically I pulled it, in this case, from the name. Is one of them not the Fountain of Youth? That's the bottom one that you can see in this list, and it was hit hit sixty one times. So that's definitely that, that takes away the yeah. So away. I know I know the factory of legends. I think was traded the most because it ended up with the most HP by quite a margin. But uh, it sounds like the fountain of youth was the target of attacker realms more than cyclone realms because we're not we're obviously not able to record cyclone hits. Yeah, interesting. Because if we add, actually, I didn't I didn't even realize that. But if you add up the Factory of Legends and uh, both of those cases, I don't know why it's in one it's called the Factory of Legends, and the other it's simply called Factory of Legends. I'll have to look that up in my uh, in my. And but then if I add them up together, we come to sixty-five. So if it is indeed true that for some reason those two uh, got split, then the Factory of Legends would have been hit sixty-five times. Does that to sixty-seven. Uh, compared to sixty-one for the Fountain of Youth. So. Oh, so the Factory of Legends got hit the most. All right. Yep. Well, that was that was our wonder right up until the end of the game, where four decided that you know they really wanted low cost acres in the last two days of the game. <laughs> we low cost uh, building on acres, I should say. Yeah, we had it for a very cool. short time. With with Realm Three, we we got one of those, uh, the one with the land, the the land plus three. What was it? Which one is that? The land plus three. What do you mean? Yeah, there's there's one of those wonders that gives you a plus three on your land on your is it your pop uh, pop bonus? Fountain of Youth. That's the, oh, that's the Fountain of Youth. Okay, we 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 held yeah, that for yeah. just a little bit, just a little bit. So, so Chrono, what was your realm's reasoning for taking the factory right at the end of the round? Does it was it just wonder envy by that point? Pretty much, we wanted the spire back because we loved having the spire and all the people complaining while we had it. But seven had firepower that we didn't have myth subject to and i think it was a bit of in case the attackers actually wanted to make use of cheaper buildings and i think it was also to give crack a chance of maybe winning with explorer because he came close if worse hadn't done that last little tiny bottom feed he did i think he would have would pull it off yeah no worse than his cheeky little bottom feed i think uh bottom feeding should be a lot more shameful than uh is currently in the the sort of community uh, people do gif it, like uh, feeding on a player that's way below your size is, you know, it's not cool, man. And if that's how you, that's how you win the round, I guess you got to do it. Not quite the same as uh, Rio's finish the round prior, where he just went on a rampage and fed on everybody, though. <laughs> it should mark you with like a symbol as a target, and he ignore guards. So do you? What do you think, AGFX? What do you think about guards and ranges and things like that? And and bottom feeding because you know you've got the fresh perspective on all this um bottom feeding or the i think the ranges make sense like for me literally the only thing i think the range things are for are indeed to protect some of the weaker players versus the completely overpowered players because the gate the way the game works 
the moment you come into range of anybody who's more powerful, just completely can obliterate you, can overpower you, and then it's just basically you can you know you can just kick all the other players out of the game just for that reason. So that does make sense to me. That one thing. What makes a bit less sense is sort of the fact that you can protect yourself as from a strategic perspective. I get it. Sort of that's it's one of the tools you have to make sure you stay on top. It's sort of a strategic choice: do I go into guards or not? But my critique on it is it does make the game a bit, bit less interesting because you're basically taking away interaction. Like, of course, a game lives and dies by interaction, uh, especially in a multiplayer game, and you're basically taking that away. So for me, that is, um, yeah, that's, I think, the the interesting bit. I, in that sense, I like the, the theft mechanic that you can only steal from somebody who's larger than you. And... I like it because it allows smaller players sort of to catch up a little bit to the to the to the uh, lar- smaller players to, to catch up to the larger players, uh, whereas the you know a larger player can't just overpower a smaller one. That makes sense. I, I don't know this this uh, this uh, round. I had several times I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to steal from this person because he has like one one and a half thousand one one point five million plat or even more. And then I couldn't because he's too small. I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. I sort of immediately, I went, oh, yeah, sorry. You're, yeah, you're too small. Okay, okay, fine, fine. I'll not steal from you. So I don't know. I like that bit. But guards, when I have to punch up, it's like, yeah, uh, and I have to like grow so hard and I can't do anything. Also, not so simple opsing I couldn't do. So, yeah, I found that a bit boring. Does that make sense? Especially early on when they can just get in the guard before we have a chance to even get to them before Bob's go active. I hate when that happens. That's why we made sure... To declare on one so that Dan did not have a chance to achieve that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the the play by Sly pimp this round to snare Dan and Sui attack him, suicide him, brought him to bring him back down into the range of black hoppers is what changed the course of the round completely. Yeah. If he hadn't done that, you know, Dan would have run away and that would have been it. Um we're I think we're getting we're getting close to the one and a half hour mark. Um, we've been, you know, steadily chatting away, having fun with these things. I wanted to call out one more um, interesting statistic, because if we go back to the round 35 uh, component statistics, there's actually one that stood out to me, is that the fact that Sakura scored a perfect 10 on his fireballs, which means he's been fireballing the shit out of people to get that perfect 10. What round was that? This round, if you look at the first sheet in the in the the overall uh, Google sheet, the round thirty-five. So he, well, let's go. And, what what was his actual kill count? <clears throat> I don't know what he did, but uh, he, he masters five. of fire. I know who's number he one. Killed, time fireballs. So Sakura killed one hundred and eighty-three thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine peasants. And is and the gap should be. Because that's also a good way to check my 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 stats. So the gap with the second player's place player should be pretty big, right? It was only twenty thousand. Because okay. um, I know um, Grapes was trying to get the Fireball Kills award, and he he thought he could do it if we ward. I think he went to War Realm Six right at the end, yeah. and he would have gotten his he would have gotten an Explorer that would have just given him the kill count he needed to take that title. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to war one. Uh, so he kind of got overruled. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll have a check on but that. But that's that's yeah, it's not a huge difference. I would say twenty three k is not massive. No, 
Yeah, but it, it should it should it should make sense. But Cornell, you had a you had a you had a remark that you I, I missed that. I was just posting about I know who has the number one lifetime fireballs. I crossed a million two rounds ago. <laughs> wow, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that that makes you that makes well, you more dead peasants. Yes, yes. It is an honor to be in your dark presence, our Lord. Now to go for two million, lots of toasty peasants. <laughs> oh. Yeah, of course, and uh, and of course, Rush. We want to be around when we see that happen, right? To see to see your to see his glory. Yeah, well, I'll be ready with a confetti. <laughs> cool. Yeah, definitely. That's that's worth a podcast all on the side. Um, I I think you know by by now. Um, we've been chatting away. We've been looking at some rankings, chatting a lot, uh, chatting a bit about advertising and stuff. Um, maybe it's good to to wrap it up for this uh, first pod. Um. Cornell, is there any final words you want to share with everybody? Yeah, uh, next round is going to be a swarm round probably, so build your farms or I'm coming for you. Cool. Thanks for giving everybody that heads up. Rush? Oh, I don't have any final thoughts. I didn't. I think we've covered quite a lot of ground in this in this podcast. Hopefully people enjoyed it. Uh, the only thing I'd really want to say is let us know what what, what you thought was good, what you thought wasn't so good. Uh, and we can refine this into a polished gem for the next one that we do. So give us your feedback. Let us know how it went. Yeah, indeed. So that was also my, uh, uh, I echo that, what Rush is saying. Um, I mean, this was our first try. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun uh, preparing it. Uh, we do have some some stuff that we would like to talk for maybe for next pods with, you know, maybe more of the meta and how, how to do things. So that would be interesting. Um it was also uh, really nice, Cornell, that you were with us for this first uh, round. So, and definitely, uh, don't be a stranger because, of course, uh, if if the opportunity comes up, well, we'd like to invite you back for some good tips and uh, your opportunity to scare everybody else uh, with with some uh, well placed threats. Right? Oh yeah, thanks for having me. I'll be always down for future chaos. <laughs> okay, cool. So, Rush, uh, I guess uh, since is this is a podcast that is named after you. Uh, I'll let you have the final, final, final words. Uh, well, thanks everyone for listening to Rush Hour, and uh, we'll catch you. No, wait, that's that's Merce. <laughs> that's Merce sign off. I'm not going to steal that. I'm not going to say we'll catch you in the next one. What we will do though is we'll black up you in the next one. <laughs> okay, bye everybody. Roll.